Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And once again, I am with my pastoral residence today, and we are going to be bringing you a Theology for Everyone podcast where we are working our way slowly but surely through the Westminster Confession of Faith. And we are currently on chapter five, article number two. Chapter five. Chapter four. Chapter four. I'm sorry. Thank you for the correction, my my brother. Chapter four, article number two, chapter four of creation. We're going to jump right into it this week. Article two. After God had made all other creatures, he created man, male and female, with reasonable and immortal souls endued with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness after his own image, having the law of God written on their hearts and power to fulfill it, and yet under a possibility of transgressing, being left to the liberty of their own will which was subject unto change. Beside this law written in their hearts, they received a command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which while they kept, they were happy in their communion with God and had dominion over the creatures. Okay, so last time we talked about creation. We talked about God creating everything else and God being the uncreated creator himself. And now we're stepping into after God created all things, he then creates man, male and female. He created them. Um, I think this is one of the most important doctrines for us to talk about. I think it's a doctrine that is currently under attack in our society. This doctrine is most specifically under attack by those on the political left who have separated our humanity from creation itself. And so they don't believe in a givenness of humanity, a givenness of of male, male and female even, that... Um, we, a man and a female is just a cultural construct and you can make yourself into whatever you want to be. And we reject that doctrine. That's, that's heresy. That's, we could say it's anti-gospel. It's anti-Christianity. It's anti-biblical. And it goes against creation and can bring a lot of damage and destruction to people's lives. And so it's important for us not just to condemn that teaching, but to teach what the Bible actually teaches, right? And so let's get through this. Article 2. After God had made all other creatures, he created man. So that's a general, when it says man, it's not talking about males. It's talking about mankind, okay? Humankind. Mm -hmm. Um, He created man, male and female, all right? You got any text for that? 
Yeah, but before you get there, can you uh-huh. can you break down uh, creatures a little bit? We got people talking about aliens. We got people talking about Bigfoot. We got we got, <laughs> we got so much going on oh out my there. Goodness. Can you can you break that down a little bit? Not really, because um, he so everything that was made other than mankind, God made. If Bigfoot is real, bro. If he is, he was made by God. That's all I can tell you. If ne- if Nessie, the Loch Ness monster, is real, she was made by God. Okay. If aliens are real, they were made by God. Okay. I'm not claiming to know either this way or that way. Um, the Bible doesn't really speak to it, but the Bible does speak to creation, and He creates all things. So, boom. That's what I'm gonna have to say to that. Okay. So after He makes all creatures. He created man, male and female. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay. So the binary reality of the human gender was created by God. God created humankind in two forms, males and females, right? There's a givenness to that. There's DNA, right, in that. There's uh, chromosomes in that. There's body parts in that. They're both made in the image of God, and yet there's something specifically different about them, right? Mm -hmm. Male and female. Now, what's interesting is that has been a given, that has been a given and an accepted reality literally from the history of civilization, okay? At the bare minimum, tens, thousands of years, people have every civilization, every culture has accepted that. There are males and there are females. What's being propagated today is a liberal experiment birthed in crazy town. Okay? It is a result of a lot of different things. If you want to go back and listen to the podcast I did with Bob Thune on transgenderism, you can pick up some of it there. But it is against natural revelation, it's against biblical revelation to believe that men can be women and women can be men. They are not interchangeable. You can take a a man and you can cut off his body parts and somehow fashion through technology a a sexual receptacle, right, in his bottom, and that will not make him a female. And women everywhere should accept that and condemn the fact that he calls himself a woman. There's a lot of go- lot going around right in the feminist movement that is saying we don't accept transgenderism, we don't accept um, sex change, and that this man can actually be a woman because number one, he's never experienced a, men- a menstrual cycle. He doesn't know what it's like to be a woman. That's a key piece of being a woman. Yeah. Her body does that. He's never felt that. His emotions don't change one week a month and, and pushing a baby out or feeling all that kind of stuff. And so there's something unique and special and specific about women that even if you a man cuts his body parts off, he's a eunuch now. He's, he's deformed himself, but he's not a woman. 
He doesn't think like a woman. He doesn't feel like a woman. His body is not a woman's body. And you, and it's vice versa. Why do, you, why do you think, it, uh, you know, churches are, you know, so against or it's hard to speak to um, race and um, the movement of uh, I'm, I'm a girl today, I'm a boy tomorrow. Um, why, why do you think it's so hard for them to speak to that? Um, why did you add those? Why did you put those two things together? Um, I just put them together because it's 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 a both and I guess you know it's hard for churches just to speak to both of those categories. Or they feel like they're being you know, um, just I guess it's hard to speak to because they could lose members. They could you know people yeah. could leave the church, things like that. Well, I think I would I would think yes. <clears throat> Carl, we could thank Karl Marx for some of this. Mm. Karl Marx. Once you get rid of God, the only way to get people to do what you want them to do, let's say, is politics. Okay? So before you could say, hey, God says every, every male woman, or let me say, God says every race stands equal before God. Right? Mm-hmm. And so racism is a sin. Don't do it. The church should preach on that. <clears throat> The Bible says, God says, there's male and there's female. There's some distinction between them. Boom. Okay? If you get rid of God says, if you get rid of the creator, right? Now, who do you appeal to for any claim to something being wrong, something being sin, right? Well, ultimately, you're just making it up out of thin air, but that comes from, well, this society believes, we collectively believe, and everything becomes about the political, right? <clears throat> and so now, who determines what's right and wrong? Mm-hmm. That's politics. That's why you have in our society where everything is political, okay? And, and so when everything is political, when I speak, when I condemn racism and... And, and, and I say this might be a racial, this could be a racial issue and we should, we should be aware of this. Right. People immediately category me, categorize me as a left leaning, leaning Marxist. Right. And when I speak about gender like this, right. they, and I speak biblically, they categorize me as a right, a, a right wing misogynist. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just the political narratives that are out there, right? You, you choose or you choose basically right or left, and then that determines what you believe about everything in our society. Well, no, I'm a Christian, so the Bible determines what I believe about everything, right? And so when I when I'm hearing these narratives, I'm I'm seeing what's true about them, and I'm seeing what's false about them. Okay, and I can accept some pieces of these movements and reject others because I'm a Christian. And I have a biblical worldview, right? So for me, specifically, when it comes to race, I believe there is such a thing as structural racism. That racism can get embedded into systems of society and propagate racism even when people aren't necessarily aware of it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I reject systemic racism or or the groups of people that say everything America is is racist. America has always been racist. America will always be racist. And there's nothing we can do to um, keep the systems that we have 
and improve them, we have to destroy them and tear them all down. So there's a lot of leftist critical race theory proponents out there that teach that just everything about society is racism, capitalism is racism, and all, all things are racism. I completely reject that. I reject what Joe Biden said that about the, the riots that happened this last Wednesday, what would have happened if they were black? I think that was a, an ignorant thing to say. I think it was further divisive thing to say, especially after s- multi- multiple people died. They still died, you know? Um, and I think that's dry, further causing division in our society. But on the right side of things, I'm going to say the same thing about, about gender. Just because I believe, and I think the Bible teaches clearly, that there is male and female, doesn't mean that I think, you know, women shouldn't have the right to vote, and women shouldn't be president, and women shouldn't have jobs, and women... I'm not teaching, and the Bible doesn't teach, the second-class nature of women or the subjugation of women. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a guy sit in my office and say... Listen, I'm leaving. We're leaving this church because women can't be pastors. And I say, well, that's not me. That's not this church. It's the Bible. That's what that's what God says. Well, I want my church, my daughter, to know she can be anything she wants. And I just said, well, then you're teaching your daughter a lie. So I'm not going to teach your daughter a lie. Right. She can't be anything she wants. She can't be a man. Mm-hmm. Your daughter can't be a, an Olympic uh, an Olympic sprinter. She can't be. She doesn't have that ability. She doesn't have that talent, right? Right? She, she can't do that. And this is a very, that's a very specific example. If she was an Olympic sprinter, then she clearly could be. But like me, I can't be a tackle for the Chicago Bears. There's no... Well, wor- did you watch the game last night? Maybe you could. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have... I, I, there's always limits. There's a limitness. There's a limited reality to all of our experiences. Yeah. We have a set DNA, we have a set culture, we have a set, and there's limits to us. If you have a low IQ, you're probably not, you're limited, you're probably not going to be a PhD. You're probably not going to be a doctor if you have a low IQ. So if your daughter has a low IQ, you don't tell her she can be anything she wants. She can't. It's, that's, it's just a lie. Yeah, I know it makes us feel good because we, we're Americans and we believe with enough hard work and effort we can be anything, but it's just not true. That's not true. So, so most of the time, I think in our society, we can't, most people don't have a biblical worldview. Even Christians in the church don't have a biblical worldview. They're more catechized and more discipled by their politics than they are by Christianity. So they, they don't see how you can accept some things from a movement or from, and say, yep, I agree with that, 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 but I disagree with five other things about them. Mm-hmm. They, you have to accept it wholesale. You know, you have to accept the whole movement or not at all. And I just, I completely reject that. So I do think um, that's why it's so difficult is because we're so formed politically and everything is political now and we can't separate ourselves from our, our politics. So maybe, maybe it would be helpful to like define some terms here that I've heard you say. Um, like specifically about transgenderism and maybe like gender fluidity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You said, I think you used the word heresy for that. Oh, can you define heresy real quick for everyone? 
I mean, heresy is false teaching, false teaching, false biblical teaching. Okay. So, yeah. So would that put, is heresy in itself enough to put someone out of biblical Christianity? So could you be a Christian and believe that there is such thing as gender fluidity? You cannot be a faithful Christian and believe there's such thing as gender fluidity. Okay. Okay. Now, again, okay. Break that down a little bit. Yeah, now I'm going to have to get into this. First off, we're talking about, this is from creation, okay? What we're not talking about right now is post the fall, mm-hmm. okay? Here, here's what we mean. Because creation, man, male and female, Adam and Eve originally, fell from sin, they were cursed. Because they were cursed, death came, destruction came, confusion came. I'm going to say gender confusion came, mm. Right? That time, the woman wants to rule over the man. They're, they're divided. They're broken. We got sin. We got murder. We got rape. We got incest. We've got all, the Bible's full of all kind of things going bad. What we're originally talking about right now is everything is good. Mm-hmm. So with Adam and Eve, there was no gender confusion. There was no gender dysmorphia. There was no homosexuality. There was no, none of those inerrant desires. There were none of those. Okay. So now we live in a world that is post fall. So just as a man or just as anyone has a desire to have sex outside of marriage, right? Men could have, men have desires to have sex with other men. Women have desires to have companionship and love and intimate relationships with other women. You can feel like, you can feel gender confused, right? You, I don't know. And what that usually means is my, I don't, I'm not fitting in a certain cultural narrative. So maybe it's, I feel more like a tomboy or something like that as a girl. And now our, now our culture hands you a narrative and says, oh, that means you're gender confused, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You can't just be a girl that likes to hunt and be outside and work out and be like you. You know, you can't just be a girl and do that. Now you're gender confused or whatever. So what I'm not, what I'm not rejecting, I am not rejecting the feelings people have of being gender confused. Okay. Or feeling like, quote unquote, a woman trapped in a man's body or Mm -hmm. a man trapped in a woman's body. That is 100%. We could say that's biblical because sin makes the confused nature of sin makes gives us a, uh, a definition for that, right? It defines that for us. But we can say, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. You might feel that way, but that's not true. You still do a test on your chromosomes, and you are either male or you're female, right? And now what's, what they've tried to do is they tried to separate sexuality from gender and they have no scientific basis to do that mm-hmm. period right they've tried to separate sexuality from your gender and they have no scientific basis for doing that so um, in order to do that you have to have faith in whatever they're selling and you're putting faith in that and it's going to cause the destruction of a lot of people's um, lives you know because they're going to we have the technology to actually make that kind of happen you know you can cut your genitals off and you can do damage to your body and then 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, when you realize you've made a mistake, 
you've now destroyed the human body. So a female takes male hormones for decades and they actually look like a man now, mm-hmm. you know? And if you, and then if you realize, well, I'm still not happy. I still feel confused inside. I still feel disconnected. Now what? Right. It's, it's a very, it's a dangerous scenario and it's even more dangerous when again, the left is trying to say that children can make their own decision when it gar- in regards to gender and sexuality. A child who hasn't gone through puberty yet. <laughs> you know, like, there's not much difference between, like, in your sexuality, there's not much difference between boys and girls until they go through puberty. Yeah. Right? Their voices are pretty similar, you know, like, they're, they're, they're just not much... But once they hit puberty, everything changes. So a, chi- a girl who thinks she's a boy before she goes through puberty... That, and, and if a parent allows them to get some kind of surgery, that, that's child abuse. Mm-hmm. That's absolute child abuse in order to do that. doesn't matter if he likes to run around and play dolls. Doesn't, he might have three sisters, and that's the only chance he's got, <laughs> you know what I mean, to play dolls. When he goes through puberty, things, things usually and typically change. So, so, so yeah, that's... Th- yeah, that's... that's uh, Hopefully I've defined those terms yeah. well enough. You yeah. satisfied with that or you want me to go on deep? No, yeah. More stuff? I think, uh, I mean, the only thing, I, I'm sure we'll get into some texts um, that would probably be good uh, places for Christians to go. But I feel like the default position for this topic, uh, even probably for those that are more right-leaning, would be like like uh, like ben, the Ben Shapiro's and the uh, Jordan Peterson's like how how can you encourage the, like where can you point the Christian to go in the scriptures to defend this doctrine or as opposed to just going to the Ben Shapiro's for their backing or leaning on the Jordan Peterson's for their apologetic defense of this doctrine does that make sense <laughs> Well, yeah, but I think I thought I think we just did it. I think it's Genesis one, Genesis two. I think it's Jesus saying in the beginning he created them male and female. Mm-hmm. He created them. Gender and sexuality are connected. They're, you know, yeah. There's no separation between them. Now, if you want to talk about gender roles, those things are some some of it is contextual, right? What women do, what men do, how they behave, some of that is contextual. Yeah. Right? So it depends on what society and when and how and whatever. And the Bible gives us quite a bit of freedom when it comes to gender roles. The Mm -hmm. Bible doesn't teach every woman has to stay at home with their kids, um, you know, and, and homeschool and churn butter. The Bible doesn't teach that, right? The Bible does teach that men should provide for their family, but in some cases, the woman's doing a lot of work too. Proverbs 31, that woman, she got up early. She was productive. She did, did all kinds of stuff, but it wasn't so that her husband could stay at home and play video games, mm. right? He's, he's working too. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so God, the Lord created them male and female, right? Binary, binary. Yeah, no, I was even thinking back to our podcast last week where you were just talking about how the Christians shouldn't shy away from science. And so even even in that, it reminded me, like, 
Oh yeah, this is a this is a topic where science actually probably contributes more to the Christian worldview than like than than, than it does like oppose it. I don't. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is what's so annoying about politics is. So let's just say it like this: the pro, when I say the left, the majority of mainstream media is left. The majority of Hollywood and music, they're all on the left, okay? And they're all pushing this agenda that gender and sexuality are distinct from one another. That gender is a, is a cultural construct that can be fluid or can go back and forth or, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? They're pushing that narrative. Now, it's what's interesting to me is those on the left, they say, like, when it comes to COVID and when it comes to trust science, trust mm-hmm. science. When it comes to evolution, trust science, trust science. And then when it comes to sexuality, um, well, uh, um, no, it's different. It's mm-hmm. different. So there's no scientific justification for gender being separated from sexuality. Yeah. And yet they ignore that fact. You know? And it's because they ignore science when it goes against their narrative. And there's a lot of other areas where they do this as well. When it ta- when you're talking about the quality of education, when you're talking about parenting, when you're, there's a lot of scientific evidence that the stuff they're pushing is horrible for society and horrible for individuals. And quite frankly, they don't care because they're pushing a sexual agenda, a sexual liberation agenda, where yeah. we don't want anything to limit our sexual freedom. And that's the that's the one thing that that's the one main thing that they're pushing uh, on the left, you know. Yeah. All right. So he created man, male and female. Boom. There's a binary nature. There's a givenness of a sexuality, givenness of our gender. He goes on <clears throat> with reasonable and immortal souls. So this it makes something. This is a u- uniqueness of a human being. <clears throat> Animals don't use reason. Animals use instincts. Everything they do is instinctual. Uh, me and my, my daughter asked me, <clears throat> she said, Dad, can anything be perfect? Or no, she said, can anything other than God be perfect? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. She goes, no, um, my teacher says you, they can't be, can't be. I'm like, well, I think I disagree with your teacher. She's like, it was like three teachers, Dad. I'm like, okay. Can a circle be perfect? Is that a perfect circle? Yes. I said, can a cat be perfect? No. Why not? Because she does bad stuff. I'm like, bad stuff compared to who? Isn't she just being a cat? Cat is being a cat, right? She's being, she's being a perfect cat, right? Even though the dog poops on the floor, he's still being a perfect dog because that's what dogs do. They, they are driven by instincts, right? They, they do not have reason. Now, you can smack a dog and you can teach it not to do that and all that kind of stuff, but still it's operating out of its instincts. It's not operating out of reason because they're not made in the image of God. They don't have reason to guide their instincts. That's what makes us different. We still have instincts. We still have desires. We still have impulses. We still have all that stuff that animals have, but we have reason that's meant to govern all of our impulses. This is why, you know, you don't have, you know, 
you might have a boy dog and you might have a girl dog and you might breed those things and they might enjoy each other's, you know, loving company all the time. But if you put another boy dog in that mix, that boy dog is going to try to take advantage of that girl dog. And that, is that a sin for that dog to do that? No, it's not a sin. So it's acting instinctually, but for a human being, we are not animals. And so reason, and I would say morality, because we're going to get into that in a minute, is meant to govern our drives. We might want to have sex outside of marriage, but our reason and our morality is meant to govern our desires. Okay? With reasonable and immortal souls. So we are made in the image of God to last forever. Our souls are immortal. We're going to live forever, either with God or away from God. Endued with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness after his own image. Okay, mankind was created good, right? They're created reasonable, they're created immortal, they're created with knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness after God's own image. So Adam and Eve were holy. Having the law of God written in their hearts. Okay, so they didn't, they, the law of God, what to do, the right way to live, the holy way to live, that was written in their hearts. They didn't need the Ten Commandments, okay? That was written in their hearts. And they had power to fulfill it. So not only did they know the right thing to do, they had the appropriate power to do the right thing, okay? Where, where I would say for us, before Christ, we don't. You can't tell a dead man to get up and walk. Mm-hmm. We're, we're born now dead in our trespasses and sins, so we can't obey the law of God rightly. Even when we do obey God, it's not from a loving heart. It's not because we love God. It's because maybe we fear punishment or something. So unbelievers cannot obey God. No person on the face of this planet can obey God until God gives them a new heart and changes them. They can do some good things, but they can't do it by faith, which is the appropriate way to do it. Okay? Okay. So of these things in this, like the last part of this sentence... What are the things that were just pre-fall and what are the things that are like still around post-fall? Okay. So, we are still created reasonable. Every human being is, has reason. We are still created as immortal souls. We are still endued with knowledge. Romans 1 tells us everyone has a knowledge of God. We can, and we can perceive from creation his power, his eternal attributes. Righteousness? Nope. We do not have a righteousness. We lack a righteousness and true holiness? No. So of that list, and? Okay, having the law of God written on their hearts. I think there's a sense of that because we have a sense of morality, mm-hmm. Right? That's written in our heart. Um, but there's, there's also a, a, a more unique sense or awareness of that that comes from receiving a new heart, right? Yeah. That we have the law of God before Christ. We have a law of God written on our hearts that basically just speaks judgment to us mm-hmm. that says, don't murder, don't kill, you know. And then when you break that law, it's going to be judgment. But then post-redemption, we have the law of God written in our hearts that's also just the righteousness of Christ and that we want to love God now. We want to love other people. Mm-hmm. 
okay? And power to fulfill it. No man born, born in Adam or born under sin has the power to obey the law of God until the Spirit frees your will to, to do that, gives you a new heart, um, saves you, and now you actually have power to obey the law. Do we have power to obey it perfectly? No. No. Can you break down the power? What do you mean by power? Okay. Imagine a radio-controlled car without batteries. Okay? Mm -hmm. Is that a car? Is that a radio-controlled car? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a radio-controlled car. Does it have power to, to do what it's created to do? Needs batteries, right? Needs batteries. Okay? A, a human being born in, into this world under sin, they're born like that. They're born, they look like a human, they have reason, they have certain attributes that, that, that are definitely human, that are definitely made in the image of God, but they don't have the batteries to obey God. They don't have the ability to obey the law of God. Okay? They can't love God. They can't obey God's law until the Holy Spirit puts the batteries in them. Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit puts those batteries in you that now you can love God and you can obey God by faith. Okay. Do we have scriptures there? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm moving on. Start with Bryson. Okay. This is, Kev, is this the Genesis 2-7 or is this 17? Genesis 2-7. Okay. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And then this is paired with uh, Ecclesiastes 12-17, or 12-7. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Okay, so that's the immortal soul. God breathed into mankind, makes us distinct from the creature that we have, uh, we have a living soul. Okay, <clears throat> was there another one? Yep, Ephesians four twenty four, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Boom. So the new self that we're given can obey God in true righteousness and true holiness. So that's the batteries that comes in that enables us to obey God. Is that it? Uh, Romans Romans 2. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are the law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their consciousness also bears witness and, com and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Okay. So every single person is born in that sense with the law of God written on their heart. They know generally what is right and wrong, right? Generally. Okay? And then one more. It's Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> excuse me, Ecclesiastes 7.29. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. They have sought out many schemes. God made man upright. Sorry, guys, that was my phone. My loving wife. <clears throat> they've made man, he made man upright, but they've shot, sought out many schemes. And so we were created originally in the image of God with perfection and holiness, but we have fallen from that. And so everyone since born of Adam and Eve and since then, we've been born 
crooked. We've been born uh, in sin. Okay? <clears throat> okay, having the law of God written in their hearts and power to fulfill it. And yet, under a possibility of transgressing, being left to the liberty of their own will, which was subject unto change. So this is something unique here. God creates Adam and Eve, good, right, and true, perfect in all those senses, but he gives them a liberty, right? He gives them the ability that they can, if they so desire and so choose, disobey God, and thereby disobeying God would bring about a change in their own humanity, right? We see this. That's that's what happened, okay? Okay. We talked a little bit about last time, why would God do this? God did it because he didn't want robots. God did it because he would bring more glory to himself, right? <clears throat> do we have a scripture for that one? Yep, Genesis. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eye and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the, its fruits and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Okay. So God said, don't eat it. And they looked at it, and they said, ah. She looked at it, and she said, that looks good over there. And so within that, there's a whole lot of, you know, things going on under the, under the surface. She's not trusting the goodness of God. She's not believing that God told her the truth, that if she would eat it, she would surely die. She's thinking God's holding out on her. She thinks God's way is not the best way. Um, I think I can be my own. Uh, I can be in charge of my own morality. I want to do what's right in my own eyes. There's a lot going on in that. R.C. Sproul has famously said, it wasn't just eating the apple. What actually happened right there was cosmic treason. Mm. Going against the king of the universe, going against the creator, and believing Ah, I'm pretty sure I know what's best for me, God. Right? Mm. Cosmic treason. <clears throat> and so they were subject unto change. <clears throat> and what that they were cursed from that moment on. They began to die that moment on. They began to be have all kind of discord and disunity from that moment on. It brought about a terrible change. So in that mm. moment, did they not have the power to be able to resist that of the spirit? Or they did have the power. Mm. They did have the power. They freely chose. Mm. They freely chose. Yep. Adam had the power to rebuke Satan and to say, get behind me, Satan, and we're not going to listen to you. They both had the power. They chose to give into it. And just like, <clears throat> I'm going to make an example. <clears throat> when we're tempted to sin, we have the power to resist that sin. We have the power to not look at the pornography. Mm -hmm. We have the power to not yell at our wife. We have the power to not cheat on our taxes. But we choose not to. Now, it is more difficult for us. I'm going to tell you, it's more difficult for us than it was for Adam and Eve. Because we're, we're already in sin. We've already fell. We already have habitual patterns of sin that lead us towards choosing sin. You know? <clears throat> that they didn't have. They never had a habitual patterns of sin. Okay, yeah, so when you say we, we have the power, you mean those that are in Christ? In Christ, thank okay, you. Yeah. Yes, thank you for, for bringing that clarity. Yep, those that are in Christ have mm -hmm. the power. I mean, actually, so when I say that an unbeliever doesn't have the power 
to resist sin. I don't mean there's unbelievers that don't look at porn. There's mm-hmm. unbelievers that don't beat their wife. That's not what I mean. But they don't have the ability to love God mm-hmm. and do those things out of out of an obedience and a love to God by faith. Because mm-hmm. they yeah. literally don't have faith in mm-hmm. that sense. They haven't been given it to them. Okay? So Christians, our obedience is more than just not doing something. It's doing some or not doing something for the right reasons, the love for God. Or doing something for the right reasons, love for God. Mm-hmm. Right? That that's the motivation. A, an act isn't truly righteous unless it's both right, outwardly righteous and inwardly righteous in Christianity. Right? That's a big difference. Okay. Beside this law written in their hearts, they received a command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they had an inward revelation of the law. They knew what was right and what's wrong on the in, inside, but they also still had an external revelation. So God spoke to them and said, do not eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. The same is true of us. We have an internal sense of what's right and wrong, but we need more than that. We have an external revelation that comes to us through the word of God, that God tells us what is right, what he expects of us, the way of salvation, etc. Okay. Do we have a scripture for that one? Uh, for that section at large is Genesis 2.17. Okay. I'll start in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. All right. And we keep going. So I'll read that again real quick. Beside this law written in their hearts, they received a command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which while they kept, they were happy in their communion with God and had dominion over the creatures. So if they would have not eaten that tree, they would have been happy forever in their communion with God. It's interesting to note, too, that this was, God just didn't give them one no. He gave them a whole garden full of yeses. Mm-hmm. Right? So there was a whole lot of yeses. Can I eat that? Yes. Can I eat that? Yes. Can I eat that? Yes. Can I go there? Yes. Can I do this? Yes. 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 Can I have that tree? No. This shows us the benevolence of God, the goodness of God, the generosity of God. There and honestly, men, I'm sitting with men who who all have kids, right? Like that should help us shape our parenting. Our parenting should be a garden of yeses and only a few noes. Right, we we shouldn't be saying no, 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 no all the time. We should uh, be an enjoyable father and have a lot of yeses. Okay, hmm. and as long as they obeyed, they were happy in their communion with God and had dominion over the creatures. Okay, we have a scripture there. Yep, Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock." and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. All right. So that was um, our 
mandate from God, the original mandate for males and fe- male and female. We were to subdue the creation and have dominion over it. We were there to build civilizations and create cities and create governments and create technology. That's all part of it. And that was, and it was all going to be good and it was all going to flourish. But because they sinned and they disobeyed God, the cultural mandate still remains the same. But then the curse came and everything got a lot more difficult. Work in the ground. Now all of a sudden plants bear thorns and soil doesn't produce like you want it to produce. And animals are now trying to attack you while you're in the field. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to be around you and they're running away from you and they're afraid from you, afraid of you and all. And, and just sin infected all of creation. And this shows us that God is a benevolent God. He's a good God. He's given us all things, including liberty, right? And mankind took the things of God. They received the good gifts of God and they turned against him. They even took their own liberty that he gave them and they turn against God and they rebel from him. And that's why things are broken, right? That's why we have gender confusion. That's why we have abuse. That's why we have destroying the the, uh, planet. That's why we have sin. It's not because of God. It's because of mankind. It's because of us. So um, we need to keep this this doctrine in the forefront of our mind as we're living this life, as we're teaching our children, that God created everything good and what we're experiencing right now is not that, right? Because we fell and we fell into sin. So that our world, it's not all good right now. There's death, there's decay, there's destruction, there's lying, there's fear, there's manipulation, there's all of that going on. And that's not a result of, you know, God not being good. That's a result of humans falling into sin and receiving the just punishment that their sins deserve. So this is chapter four of creation. You guys got any more comments or questions or anything before we close this one down? No. Okay. So parents, important that we're teaching our children the givenness of their sexuality and their gender, that God has created them male and female and God defines their identity. Um, their own inward desires do not. We can never trust our inward desires. Our inward desires will lead us down crooked paths all the time. Um, our society says, trust your heart. We say, trust God. Our society says, trust your feelings. We say, trust God. Our society says, follow this narrative. We say, nope, we're going to follow the narrative of Scripture. So it's important that we, we teach our children that. It's a lie to tell your children they can be whatever they want to be. That's a lie. Don't lie to your children. Um, teach them that they are who God says they are. And the flourishing life is to follow God. Mm. That's it, right? Teach them about Adam and Eve. <laughs> follow God, it goes well. Don't follow God, it doesn't go well. Yeah. That's, that's the principle we should be following. So, All right, that's chapter five. Uh, that's chapter four of creation, articles one and two. Next time we are together, we will go over chapter five of Providence. If you guys got any questions, email me, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. We'd love to answer those questions on the podcast. We love you. God bless.